The thing that I mind the most is procrastination. I say it's the thief of time and the robber of self-respect. You get more flies with honey than vinegar. I was only 16, so, you know, at 16 you have other things on your mind other than politics. Hello, and welcome to Elder Wisdom. I'm Erin Davis, and in just a moment, you're going to meet my co-host for these wonderful fireside chats, but on a bench, but virtual, 87-year-old Doug Robinson, who resides at Sandalwood Park in Brampton. The Green Bench is, of course, virtual in this case, as I say, with these podcasts that we do for and about seniors. But there are actual Green Benches, too. As you know, if you've visited or perhaps live in Schlegel Village's retirement and long-term care residences, as you'll hear from our guest today, the Green Bench is a place, both in podcast form and in reality, for people to connect, tell their stories, listen, learn, and grow to build community within a community. Please do go to elderwisdom.ca to subscribe and never miss one of our episodes. Today we're talking with Bronka Matjevic, who is Director of Lifestyle Options at the Village of Wentworth Heights. It's Bronka's belief that she's helping seniors and their families to choose not just the right living arrangement, but is also helping those new residents to find community, trust, friendship, and a real sense of belonging. Now that you've heard about our guest, Bronca, it's just about time for us to meet her. But first, I want to tell you about a new book that has taken Schlegel Villages by storm. Now, you may recall way back in episode 19, and this one is episode 48, we talked with Kathy Kleinow, who had already released a book called The Founder's Circle. And if you don't remember, that's okay. The Coles Notes version is that it includes 36 stories, two poems, photos, and artwork all by fellow residents at Schlegel's village of Wentworth Heights in Hamilton. It's sold out, and Kathy has now released a second volume called The Legacy Continues. My co-host Doug Robinson, who joins me now, is very happy about that, because I know that's great news for you, Doug. You're always looking for a good read, and especially about your fellow Schlegel village residents and people you might meet on the green bench. Welcome! Thank you, Erin. i Sure to pick the book up and have a good read. Oh, and you will. And and wonderful illustrations as well, if it's like the first one at all. So, so I believe, yeah. Yeah, fantastic. Hey, and you know what? Our guest today, Bronca, you know, I think the congratulations might be in order because of her recent nuptials. So why don't we welcome her with that? Hi, Bronca. Hello, everybody. Good afternoon. Hey, so you became a bride in 2022. Is that right? I did, actually. Tomorrow is my two-month anniversary. Was it a big wedding, Bronca? Believe it or not, despite my cultural background, it was a very intimate uh, wedding. We had about 70 guests in total, our closest uh, family and friends. Oh, how lovely. Was that postponed at all because of COVID? Was it one of those things? Or did COVID bring you closer together and say, hey, you know what? I want to go through the next pandemic with you. 
You know what? Funny enough, we met um, just a few months before the pandemic began. Mm -hmm. So this, um, I guess the pandemic was a good test for us because there weren't any venues or any establishments open for us to date and, you know, spend time together. So I would say that we would both definitely go through a pandemic together again. And um, it, it certainly brought us much closer together. Ah, that is wonderful. That's a really bright side to everything over the past almost three years. I can tell you that my oldest sister got married for the fourth time on September 1st. So I don't know what that's a sign of, but we joked that if she does it a fifth time, she gets a free Subway sandwich. (laughs) 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 And Doug, you, you have a friend, Doug, who got married as well back in England. Was it this year? Yes, uh, my cousin got married for the second time at 84 years of age, and, wow. his, young, and his young bride was 84 as well. Wow. And they had a big, sh- as we say in England, they had a big shindig. Yeah. <laughs> are, they, are they planning on having kids? Uh, I'm not sure. I forgot to ask him on that one. As long as the bride wasn't in the family way, that's the important thing. She has 16 grandchildren. Oh, my. Wow. That that is enough. And, you know, part of the thing that I love about Schlegel Villages and retirement homes, and you know this better than I, Bronca and Doug, is that no matter what age, there is always a chance for love to bloom and for community, for everybody to find each other and be together, no matter whether you're just getting to know each other in the midst of COVID or whether you're coming through it and having celebrations like a wedding. It's just a wonderful feeling. And Bronca, you've been in this field that you have for 18 years. Tell us about it. Tell us what you do at the Village of Wentworth Heights, won't you? So I can share with you my official title is Director of Lifestyle Options. The main part of my role is to get to know individuals that are considering making a move to a community such as ours. Um, sometimes it's, you know, people that aren't quite ready and preparing for their future in a few years down the road. Um, often we run into family members such as their daughters, their sons, nieces and nephews that naturally want to seek alternative options for them. And often we work a lot with the community, helping them to understand what what Schlegel Village at Wentworth Heights in particular has to offer, so whether it's a healthcare provider in the hospital, perhaps it's a case manager at Alzheimer's Society, my, my role really allows me to get to know people, their experiences, and just really, you know, who they are, what their story is. How did you become personally and intimately involved with Alzheimer's disease? When I was born, my father had me at an older age. He was um, close to 50. And so by the time I was in my mid-20s, my father started to show some signs of memory loss. And, you know, going back 16 years ago, we, we didn't have the resources and the knowledge, I would say, that we have now about Alzheimer's and dementia. Although working in this field, I had more tools, I would say, than my family members. And so... We noticed those changes with my father, and unfortunately, he lost his license um, when he was in his mid-70s. And because he had other health problems, I guess that this was masking what was happening beneath. 
And um, then my father had an official diagnosis of Alzheimer's dementia, and I, I'll never forget the day. It felt like, you know, the world was crashing around me. Um, and then I, I returned to work, and I had so much support from my fellow residents who had experienced this with their loved ones, their spouses in particular, or siblings. And, um, you know, having been connected to the Alzheimer's Society, again, through my line of work, I was able to go to attend some workshops and, and really just get some advice from the care staff in the homes. A lot of people shared advice with me on how to handle it. It was more the emotional aspect of seeing someone you love change. So that wisdom that I, I gained through my line of work, I was able to pass on to my mother and my brother who had a really hard time dealing with my father changing. And so the journey was about seven years before my dad passed away. Um, and I, I can proudly say that I never felt like my father was sick. I always treated as if my dad was living every moment to the fullest. And I would say that when we felt like crying at times or when we were dealing with hardship, we, I somehow turned it always into a positive or even some form of humor. And that helped my family get through it. And in turn, when I meet with a lot of people whose loved ones are affected by Alzheimer's dementia, I'm able to, you know, put myself in their shoes to understand what's it like for them, all these fears that we have, and we tend to get, jump ahead of what will happen, and sometimes those things don't ever transpire, so I'm able to now help families through this, and also with my residents who are all going through those changes themselves, I think I have a little bit more understanding, compassion that way. It is that empathy that is so important and the been there done that aspect the experience and wisdom that you bring to this that somebody just can't get out of a book so how important is it like i gotta i gotta be very honest with you right now bronca my three sisters and I are starting the journey with my dad with dementia, and we're seeing things where he's fibbing about this and different things about hygiene and kind of trying to pull one over on his caregiver. And we're like, okay, we are thinking about getting you into memory care, official memory care. And I wish with all my heart that I was going to be sitting down across a desk with you. What would that conversation look like? The conversation's different with each family, and, and each person um, is impacted by it so uniquely. One general piece of advice, or one thing that I often share with most families, is that your father and the person that's living with these changes, I feel, needs to be as much a part of these uh, conversations to a point where if it's going to create anxiety or overwhelm them or scare them, you don't want to necessarily make that the focus of the topic on all your visits or phone calls. But what I've found with people often is that we don't prepare so well for as we're getting older. We often prepare throughout our life for our careers, our marriage, our children. But I think it's it's good to start thinking of how will I feel in 10 or 20 years? And what seniors have often told me or older adults is that they feel they've lost a lot of controls in areas of their life. And a person living with Alzheimer's and dementia naturally will feel that as well. And often they just perhaps don't know how to express it. Some do and, and others don't, or they choose not to. So I would say that 
having your father in that steering position of the car where he's still in control of, you know, where are you starting to look? What type of community would feel like home? What furniture is important to him? Um, you know, what, what area of the city? Is it something perhaps where there's trees or nature? Or does he love the downtown core? So I feel involving your parents in that conversation gently is far more important than I think families are scared and it is a hard conversation but having the conversation is important um, and and again involving your father I also feel that um, what I would my advice after 18 years is that often people will wait um, you know when a health crisis arises or there's a major change and and then to do another change on top of that is always difficult when you're already going through some type of circumstance. Yeah, so crisis w- even. A, a crisis is often what we see. And when you're in a crisis, your mind isn't thinking as clearly and nor do you have as many options now because right. you're in crisis. You have to think on your feet quickly or come up with a solution. So it's always wise to be proactive or even just pick, you know, narrow down a few different places with them to assure him you're not moving today, but in the event something is to happen, where did you feel most comfortable on our visits or what people did you like the most you met? That would be my advice. And I thank you. Thank you for that. I'll be playing this podcast for my sisters. Of course, they listen to everything (laughs) I do. But I I also want to remind people to go back to episode 24, because we spoke with Betty Ann Miller. And really, she was preaching what you say to practice. She has ensured she knows where she'll go in the event that her health takes a turn. And back in 2013, which is almost 10 years ago, she put her name on the list for a penthouse suite at the Village of Tansley Woods Retirement in Burlington for when she's ready as an insurance policy. And I think that we are also, I don't know if it's superstitious or not, the people who still won't pick out their burial plot or make their plans for end of life and all that kind of thing that, oh, well, you know, if we don't do it, it won't happen. But this is one of those things. And it just opens up such a light of hope because you're talking about the concept of community living and you talk through the costs based on needs and their lifestyle and you make recommendations that work for the individuals not one size fits all that's absolutely right Branka yes Doug you think the green bench is so important and I thoroughly agree with you The best thing that happened to me was taking part on the green bench. I even got to go to Denver, Colorado and talk about my experience on the green bench and the podcast. And it's changed my life completely, being able to sit on the green bench and meet so many interesting people. What do you think about the green bench? Well, for starters, Doug, when I think of the green bench often, I see it from two points of views. I'm often, you know, there in the, the behind the scenes, as you'd say. And whenever we have an event through the community where it's a fundraiser or, you know, you're giving back, you're helping somebody. I was speaking with somebody earlier, and I think green bench really uh, puts a spotlight on the residents are able to share their stories as you did, your experiences, your advice. 
um, your wisdom. And I think having a level of responsibility is important as we get older. Because throughout our whole lives, you know, we our parents give us responsibilities, then your school and, and so on, you're through your career. And I always feel that, again, older adults have so much that we can learn from. So for me, it's been great to watch the greater community um, kind of gather this power, this knowledge from the residents, and to see the residents like yourself, to light up, to know that, you know, they're, they're sharing something really helpful to somebody younger is, is really important. So I think that giving older adults those opportunities and those responsibilities is, is really important. I, I did a green bench in Mississauga a couple of months ago, and I met a most wonderful gentleman. It was his first term on the uh, council, and we had a lovely chat together. He was such an interesting man, and he was interested in me as well. It mm. was so nice. I, I I can't say enough about the Green Bench. I really can't. It's a marvellous concept. It really is. It is, and I've been frustrated throughout the years working in senior living, and, and you know, and that's not to stereotype the general public, but often I would see some type of uh, treatment or inpatients, you know, with with older adults and we're turning things around we're having younger people take the time because we live in such a fast-paced hectic world um, but to invite someone to sit down slow down and to learn from you I think uh, I think it is probably one of the best things that our company has come out with I agree with you 100% I've met James Shagel I haven't met Ron yet and I'm looking forward to meeting him and thanking him for the bringing the green bench to Shagel Villages. It started back in 2016, just to give everybody a little bit of background on this, when they're actually green benches, real ones, that were brought to 13 cities across Ontario and local seniors, just like Doug, shared their wisdom with key influencers, community members, members of council, as you heard as well. Then the next year, and here's what Bronca was talking about, 80 seniors shared elder wisdom on the green bench with students at 16 different high schools across Ontario, which is just tremendous. And then 19 villages took part the next year. And in 2019, throughout the month of June, 50 seniors shared their elder wisdom in the community for 49 hours total. And so then we moved into the digital age, and here we are as well. But of course, as Doug has told us, the green bench is back, baby, and waiting to help (laughs) spread messages. So why do you think, Bronca, that programs like the green bench are helping to fight ageism? And I, I think you've kind of answered the question, but if you could explain some of the wisdom that you have learned from seniors in your years of doing what you do. That's a great question, and I feel I won't be able to get the answer I truly want out. Um, it, it, it's just priceless. I, I, don't, I feel I've been so blessed, as I've said, to be able to work with people that have, first of all, survived so much throughout their lifetime, um, both on, on personal levels and professional. And I think that often as society, we, we do have a lot of stereotypes, wherever that comes from, our upbringings, from, uh, you know, the culture, TV that we watch. And so I think it's, it's great to finally 
be able to have people sit down. Um, forgive me for saying this, but there are seniors, some like to make jokes. Some seniors even swear. They use curse words. Um, some seniors still really enjoy traveling. I think often people have this image of what a senior is, again, based off what we've kind of been conditioned to think. And um, I feel that this truly gives them the spotlight and the voice. People should be listening to generations ahead of them. It's not that they're trying to tell us what to do. They're just sharing their insight. Um, so for me to see the residents, first of all, I'm proud of them. They're very mm -hmm. excited. They take pride in knowing that they're representing their home and themselves. And to just watch people, even if it's one little stereotype that they had about older adults, or if it's one tidbit, something new, Doug, I can already imagine people were probably laughing with you. You, you just seem so enjoyable, and I could listen to you for hours. <laughs> Thank so you. it's really just watching those moments where somebody's learned or one takeaway to say, you know what, I didn't realize that older people could do that, or I didn't realize older people thought that way, or I didn't even realize that they thought about their younger days or their youth. Um, and I also I think younger people don't, often realize or understand that we have a lot in common with older adults and we can relate it's finding that thread that connects us which that's what I believe Green Bench does and with open hearts and minds as well because if you start off looking at someone who's got so many piercings they look like they fell down the stairs carrying a tackle box and you <laughs> automatically you automatically make assumptions or you see tattoos or you see hair you don't particularly like i think you close yourself off to them as much as them seeing gray hairs or a walker or you know trifocal glasses does closing off their opportunity to get to know you. And it's just seeing past all this. And if you talk about music, for example, you may not have everything in common. You maybe just hate a particular kind of music, but you never know. Like my 17-year-old niece plays clarinet in the symphony, and but that would be the thing to talk about with her, you know? And that's that's finding that common thread. You're so right about that, Bronca. Well, and they're inspirational. I mean, I was sharing this um, with somebody recently. When I've gone through hardships, my mom's going through some health changes right now, and I pray all you know goes well with her. And they're my source of my strength and my inspiration. When I look at, you know, some residents have sadly buried their children. They've lost their friends along the way, their siblings, their spouses, even their kids, you gain some some form of strength for them. And you realize, you know what, this person has endured so much and yet they're smiling they're sitting on this bench with me or today in my office having a coffee and it it really does give me the strength when I leave work to face my challenges that life holds or struggles because you know that these so many of these people made it I will make it too so I, I think they're very inspiring and it's not a matter of comparing grief or comparing hardships because we can't do that. Everybody carries their own load. But it can be a source of inspiration to say, they're smiling through that. Maybe I can too. And seeing it as a source of hope. Absolutely. Branka? Yes, Doug? You believe that the world tends to forget about the needs of the seniors. What would you like to see changed? That's a really good question. I think... 
<laughs> this is one I probably haven't given much thought to. Well, I can share. Recently, I came back from my honeymoon, and the airport was so rushed. And everywhere that we went in major cities and areas of relating to travel, it felt rushed. We were literally run off our feet. And I turned to my husband and I said, my goodness, why is everything so fast-paced? What if there was a lady here, you know, in her 70s or 80s? How would they be able to get from one area to another. So my wish just off the top of my head would be that this world in general would slow down. Uh, I feel that people have become a little bit impatient. Um, so I would like for the world to slow down, not to say that older adults need a slower pace, but meaning to understand that not everybody moves at the same speed. And perhaps that person in the walker will take a little bit extra time to cross the road and to show some understanding um, for older adults instead of people losing their cool or becoming impatient. I would also love to see seniors... Um, to be that are active, so whether it's in their communities or in their homes, I would love to see, I would say, more socialization between seniors out in the communities. I would like to see advertisements, TV programs, um, events in the community to be a little more geared towards older adults. Um, I often notice it's silly example, but makeup commercials always have younger women. Um, I would like to see older women that want to wear mascara and lipstick in those commercials. I, I would like to see more inclusion for older people overall. It kills me seeing a 25-year-old supermodel trying to keep her skin young and moist. Give me a break. break. I'm oh with you God. on that. I'm just holding it in here. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. It's, it's silly, you know. So I would say, Doug, that's probably my number one wish is that uh, people would have more compassion and patience and not everything to be uh, geared towards the younger generation. I would like it to be more inclusive. Branka, you wouldn't know about the 70s, but the 70s was a wonderful time to live. It was nothing like it is today where everything's bang, crash, wallop. And it's so true. People don't have time in the day. It's all rush, rush, rush. We never lived like that in the 70s. I miss it dearly. I really do. What was one of your favorite things of the 70s, Doug? Playing golf. It was able to play golf. I can't play golf anymore. My bones don't let me. Mm. But I I love my golf game. I can't play golf anymore either, but then I never could. So (laughs) there you go. (laughs) I never broke 100, but it was enjoyable. Yeah, yeah. Doug made me realize another important thing, too, I learned from seniors is to seize the moment. Mm. I I didn't travel when I was in my 20s, 30s, and now I'm in my 40s, and so much advice. You know, when you hear things twice, you consider it, but when mm. you hear things over and over and over. So I think something that we take for granted, meaning younger folks, is to really enjoy and slow down and do those things, as you said, that you loved, is to seize the moment while we can. Yeah, so true. One of the truest quotes I ever heard was, the mistake we make is thinking we have time. And, yes. you know, you probably think, okay, I'm busy now. Bronca, this could be you, although you were out at a gig recently. 
you know, you think, well, I'm going to do this when I retire. Well, that's what Rob and I thought, my husband and I, but now his shoulders ache and he takes stuff for that. And you go, no, we should have done it when we thought of it, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Carpe diem. Yeah, that's so true. So I can only guess from our conversation today, which is coming to a close, alas, that this is how it would feel if I had the fortune to sit across from you, because we are several provinces away. Will you take an import from BC? My dad had moved back in a minute. But just easy, no pressure. And what you are presenting is an opportunity to be part of a community and not just a room and a bed and a bathroom and meals. It's all part of this feeling together. Absolutely. I mean, we have these wonderful brochure packages and information that's often exchanged. And one thing I've always pointed out to my families that I meet across the years is that that's the stuff that's on paper. And it's very important to have your meals, your housekeeping, or whatever it is that you're looking for. But what I've seen to be most important is the friendships, the relationships, um, not just amongst residents, but the team members and the residents. We become one big family. Um, so you are, you nailed it. You're a part of a community. I've, you know, met people over the years that have done things for their very first time after living in a retirement home. You know, they've perhaps never gone gambling or they never went to a live football game. So there's those opportunities in community living that we see transpire daily. I, I almost not take it for granted, but I don't realize it till I stop and think of the beautiful moments. Um, Doug, I once had a wedding at a retirement home and the couple met through living at the residence, I think they were a bit younger than your cousin, but those type of um, moments that we see that are exchanged and shared are really, I would say, what's the heart of the villages. Um, it, it is just a conversation, and you have to become a trusting source for somebody. You you meet a person, and what I find that I do with our visits is all often you're asking personal information. So I start off by sharing personal information about myself. I like people to feel comfortable with me. And if, if, you know, they're going to talk about their health or their concerns or we're, you know, talking dollars can be uncomfortable for some families. I always start off by sharing things about myself, um, to show a bit of vulnerability and really, again, to make people feel comfortable. And I would say probably, most of our villages, we we hire folks with that trait because, again, it's not my job to convince somebody. It's my job to meet somebody like Doug, which is truly a blessing, as I said. Thank Spent, you. Yes, and, and to get to know you and to know, well, what do you like and see what you and I have in common. And we go off topic and then we get back on the topic. So really it's, it's building a relationship. And I would say nine and a half out of 10 times people always come back to us because they'll often say they, they felt that genuine connection. And that's my job is to listen and to help. Breaker. Yes, Doug. I can't flirt here. I've been married 62 years this year. I'm not allowed to flirt. And yet you do. <laughs> a little bit, now and again. That's right. We'd have to wait till we meet in person to see if you could resist the flirting with me, Doug. That will be the true <laughs> test. <laughs> I'm looking oh. forward to it. You're in for the surprise of your life. 
Oh, dear well, God. And Doug, I'm taking marriage <laughs> advice. I asked the residents to write down or send me any marriage tips. So please, if there's any after 62 years, I'm sure you have a wealth of advice to pass on to me. So please, we'll exchange information so we can keep in touch. Doug, what's your number one tip for marital longevity? Give and take. That's good. Mine is laughter. Yeah, so there you go. Uh, good. I, sh- I should have said that. That's mine too. Oh, yeah. sure. I, yours, I, yours is stealing too. Okay, I got that. Yeah, Great. you know, old age creeps in and you forget things. Oh, that's my excuse too. We all have it. <laughs> Bronca, I can't thank you enough for your open door, open heart policy today with us. We are so very grateful to you for finding time as Director of Lifestyle Options at the Village of Wentworth Heights. And uh, from your own journey with your father's Alzheimer's to where you are today, living the wisdom that he gave you through his and your family's hardship and helping other families through it. We are so grateful. Thank you so much. It's, I'm I'm just, as I said, grateful to be able to spend time with all of you today. And if there's anybody that you know will benefit from hearing this so that we can help, at the end of the day, we all just help each other. I think that's our number one job here on Earth. That's what community is all about. That's right. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of Elder Wisdom. You can hear more stories from the Green Bench simply by subscribing wherever you download the best podcasts. And if you're not all that sure how to do it, don't worry. Go to elderwisdom.ca and sign up there. If you feel inspired, share your thoughts and ideas on social media using the hashtag elderwisdom, and we'll welcome your feedback. For now, on behalf of my co-host, Doug Robinson, Ted, Melinda, Rob, Nicole, and everyone at Schlegel Village's Retirement and Long-Term Care Residences, we thank you for joining us and hope you'll be here for our next chat. I'm Erin Davis, and your seat on the green bench is ready and waiting. Elder Wisdom, Stories from the Green Bench, is brought to you by Schlegel Villages, a complete continuum of care, offering independent living to long-term care, celebrating and honoring the wisdom of the elder. To learn more about us, please go to our website, schlegelvillages.com.